who is with us today. Hi, Alina. Hello, Amy. How are you? Very well, thank you. On a lovely sunny morning. I know. It's lovely. So we're, um, we're just recording this and I am happily got my little one strapped to my chest snoozing away so I'm very much hoping it's going to stay that way (laughs) (laughs) you shall see I can't offer to help I'm afraid from where I am (laughs) no bit tricky um but that's okay so if she does have little any little noises people then you'll just have to forgive us but hopefully she'll stay asleep so yeah so today is world bedded wetting day i'm hoping i'm saying today in the hope that we get this out on tuesday the 28th but um i know that it's good timing for you as well alina mm-hmm. yes yeah, so we be able to try and raise awareness of of bedwetting something that's much more common than a lot of people realize i think but um yeah hopefully we can come on and talk about some tips for little ones who are perhaps um potty trained and then you're thinking about nighttime dryness that'd be really good yeah absolutely yeah that that's great so um obviously you're with eric which is a fabulous organization so i've definitely used eric in the past for any health visitors who haven't though could you just give us a very brief idea of who eric is and what what they do yeah okay so eric um is children's bowel and bladder charity we started about 30 years ago in bristol we're a national charity there's about 11 of us who work there all part-time we've got lots of different services we've got a great website which is www.eric.org.uk for anybody who's not visited us before Uh Uh, we began as a bedwetting charity but we've now expanded to include um, all continents' issues, so potty training, um, constipation and soiling, daytime Great. bladders, and obviously bedwetting as well. Fantastic. We've got a helpline, which is now, actually a couple of months ago, we moved to a free phone number, which is brilliant for us. Oh. Um, so all the details can be found for the helpline on the website. Um, we've got three great trained advisors that are happy to answer any questions people might have got or just want to have a chat that's fine or you can email the helpline uh we've got a lot of free resources that people can download it's a really good resource i think for healthcare professionals and any families that are struggling or caring for a child with a bladder or bowel problem we like to say we and poo actually we kind of tried to make it simpler yeah that's what we do. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it makes everyone feel more comfortable, doesn't it, immediately? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. And I've, I've never used the helpline myself, but it sounds really useful. I can definitely imagine, like, if you had a difficult, um, maybe a, a family that you were struggling with or something that was in practice that you thought, oh, I'm not really sure quite how to handle this or I'm a bit stuck or we've tried everything and we can't think of what next, then that might be quite a good resource yeah. for people. Yeah, and there's no time limit, you know, to the calls, and we can follow it up with sort of, you know, an email of different links, signpost anybody that calls us to the relevant bits of the website or to other websites to look at. Um, Uh Yeah, we take quite a few calls actually from um, school nurses, health visitors, and people working in schools because that that seems to be quite a big thing happening now. You're getting uh, perhaps toilet training just a little bit later. And then maybe going off to school still in nappies, so we're sort of getting yeah. you know, um, calling us, and yeah, and we're always happy to help. But I think we we in in the we and poo world, we're pretty well known, really, pretty well Definitely. respected, and we've access to some really top clinicians. So if it's something we can't on the helpline, then we can always get try and get an answer for people. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a certainly a very well-known um, charity. I know um, lots of health visitors find it absolutely invaluable. I've definitely used all the kind of resources and stuff. And um, I was looking online this morning just to remind myself as well of the resources. And um, especially with children with additional needs, I've used those, those resources quite a lot because that often tends to be on our universal plus caseload. So families that we're working with um, a bit more closely for whatever reason. So... Um, you know it just means that we have that extra level of contact so we may be um, talking to them a little bit more around those things yeah yeah so if you know Eric can kind of be a backup for that we've we've got a relatively new guide which was um, a guide for children with additional needs yeah um which um is all around toileting and then we're about to launch one for children with complex bladders and bowels oh fantastic helpful but again all the help kind of trained and we're taking calls from um families around children with autism because okay i think with problems with constipation for example or just children that are just you know going to take a little bit longer to potty train because of their additional need yeah and you know offering support with that is, is something that we're really keen to try and do so yeah that's that's great that you've used us for that yeah fantastic that's brilliant um, and obviously people can keep um an eye out for those resources as they as they pop up on your website that sounds really helpful and we'll link um to the guides and things um from the um show notes of the podcast so hopefully people can check them out um so we wanted to talk a little bit if it's okay with you about toilet training so you guys are obviously the experts um obviously health visitors are doing some toilet training stuff with parents and I think the nursery nurse colleagues who work within the health visiting teams often do quite a lot of the um, universal work around toilet training as well but if health visitors are doing two-year reviews which typically happen around the kind of two two and a half mark it often comes up at that point um Mm -hmm. so what sorts of things do you think would be helpful for health visitors to think about at that that kind of stage well, it's really interesting because I think what we think is happening is with modern nappies um, that are so convenient and they're so good at being absorbent, yeah. convenient for parents, they're brilliant for ter- parents, you're not having to deal with kind of, you know, the, the, the wet nappies, washing nappies, sure. but children aren't getting those signals perhaps quite as early as they used to. Uh-huh. So getting a lot of calls from parents sort of saying, well, you know, I'm waiting for my child to tell me I'm ready. And perhaps they're being told by whoever's helping them, you know, maybe somebody at nursery or the health visitor, well, you know, they'll, they'll do it in their own time and let's just wait and see. Okay. And, um, and the research shows that if children can, um, ha- if they've got bladder control of around about an hour, two hours, and they're just passing a nice soft poo, ideally once a day, and they're, they're physically ready and that they can they are able to sort of sit steadily and get back up again. Right. There's no reason to begin to um, help them learn what potty training is all about. Fantastic. So we're not saying people, you know, right from 18 months, um, you'll be able to get them trained within a week. We, we know potty training is, is quite a complex milestone for these little ones uh-huh. to learn. It's, it's just like learning to brush your teeth. It's something that we, we need to intervene and help children um, to get the skill, uh-huh. because actually it's quite rare that you get um, little ones that will just want, suddenly wake up one day and say, do you know what, I don't want to wear a nappy anymore. Yeah. It's something we're guiding them through, isn't it? Sure. A lot of life skills. But I think it's try- for health visitors that are listening to this, or anybody really, it's about trying to give parents the confidence, parents and carers, that you know that kind of 
empowerment that yeah. you're not going to damage a child by suggesting that perhaps they try sitting on a potty no <laughs> to sure encouraging way but to have the courage to look for the signs and that's where our resources are so brilliant because they really are helpful on particularly the Eric's Guide to Potty Training and what are the physical signs that children need to be showing which I just mentioned mm. and then you know doing things like just going out buying at least a couple of potties so you've got one upstairs one downstairs mm-hmm. um beginning to talk to children about wee and poo normalizing it mm-hmm. um, when you're changing their nappy get them involved in that process so you know i'm a mum myself i've had three and i know when you're in a hurry you tend to be whipping that nappy off stick it straight in the bin yeah um, particularly if it's a smelly one but <laughs> children need to learn that this is their body this is what their body yeah produces. yeah that's a really good point no you know and and try and avoid words like oh you've done a stinky poo uh-huh. um, to poo hopefully later on in the podcast because it can cause quite a few problems um <laughs> further down the line but yeah so it's just helping them to make the association with you know what when they do a wee or they do a poo what's actually happening to it and to help them to get into that next stage yeah okay that sounds really helpful that's a really good point as well about like kind of involving them in the nappy change process I imagine that they'd engage really well with that and might even make your nappy changes a bit easier as well if they're actually interested (laughs) (laughs) um trying to make it fun um you know not and try you know treating them as this child that's growing up now rather than sort of lying back like a baby even if you you know you've got a child that can stand quite confidently just changing them standing up Mm -hmm. um not necessarily every time but just beginning to get them into the habit um you know if it's a poo that can plop quite easily into the toilet from the nappy actually get involved with that um can all begin to help make the connections another really good tip that I've picked up from our um, Brenda Cheer who's our brilliant Eric nurse yeah. it's something she always talks about is to get some good quality kitchen roll fold up a couple of pieces and put it into their nappy uh-huh. okay it's not only would that um, help to give that child a, a nice you know wet feeling a damp feeling that they uh-huh. need to have to to learn that association but it's also a really good way of allowing um whoever's caring for that child to to check it every half an hour to give an idea of what their bladder control actually is looking like at that particular stage okay i see yeah that's really helpful because like you were saying i suppose with the modern nappies they do absorb everything don't they and take it away so that kind of achieves both things doesn't it you're able to tell and and also I saw yeah. on um, the website that there was a like a, a chart almost for recording how often they go and, and things like that. And, and that might be a tool to help people to know when they're ready. Definitely, yes. It's, you know, it's kind of putting putting the time in to do a few things like that. Mm. Um, and also just, just check that they're, you know, they've got healthy bladders and bowels. And by that, we mean that they're drinking well. Mm. Um, it's around about six to eight cups of water-based fluid um, that... That all well, I say cups for smaller children, older children. That's then glasses. So you choose mm-hmm. an appropriate size cup for the, the the age of the child. Okay, yeah. Really important that doing that drinking regularly because that is what helps our bladders to grow in capacity. Sure. Regularly filling them with the, you know, it doesn't always have to just be water because lots of children won't drink just plain water, but some dilute squash. But that is on top of their milk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, food okay so um keeping them really work drinking well and and check out their poo as well because what can really make potty training incredibly tricky um is if a child is constipated or they've got a bit of a fear of pooing right. holding okay so really um scupper 
best laid plans yeah sure okay so there's some really good tips thank you and I suppose from what you're saying it's almost like um instead of kind of sitting back and waiting for the child to tell you for parents for health visitors to encourage parents to be a little bit more proactive about it kind of um test it out and see yeah and on you know if you just do decide um as a family to kind of try it you know get get the pants and go for it it might not you know don't expect miracles that's the other thing Mm. it isn't something that you can do in a weekend whatever those those amazing kind of gina four books (laughs) tell you um it's very very rare Mm. and it's hard work and it's going to be messy as well you know i know we're all you know we've got busy lives and the last thing people want to be doing is sort of cleaning up smeared poo from your sofa um so however you choose to sort of whether you want to use some washable pants or whatever makes it easier but Mm. if it really doesn't seem to be going well well then just stop have a complete break and go back to it but you can still all those tips i was saying about involving the child with you know washing their hands after the toilet and praising them for that Mm. again making poo and wee friendly you can still keep doing that Mm -hmm. and then perhaps leave it a few weeks and go back to it but it it is really good to try and help capture them um at that that sort of to get that window which we would say is roughly from about 18 months okay so start start kind of getting them interested from about 18 months and then and then build from there and once they start achieving those things then you kind of taking the next steps yeah yeah. Okay, so I suppose you you, so you you talked about having two potties at least, having one upstairs and one downstairs, so you don't have to do any mad dashes up the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> Sounds sensible. Um, and do you kind of? I mean, obviously, we usually tell people to not wear a nappy when they're toilet training, and I think that's something people can sometimes parents sometimes do. So they'll say, "Oh, we started toilet training, but um, you know, we wear a nappy when we go out, for example." Mm. So that's mm. quite a common one you hear, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you, sorry, what are you going to say? We hear from lots of families that talk about using pull-up pants. Yeah. As a in between. Yeah. And um, what do you? How? What's your kind of view on that? Well, essentially, you're giving if you, you risk giving a child a mixed message, don't you? Because mm. again, those those pull-up things have just been designed just like a, a nappy. You know, mm. yes, they're convenient, and they might mean that you, you know, you, you have a nicer day out, but. Mm isn't it's giving your child a confused message because one minute it's okay to wee and poo in that but the next minute you're back home or you're at nursery and mm. you're in your when you're home you know little children are sort of you know two three that that is too difficult a concept to be able to understand isn't it really yeah sure but, um what parents might like to do is um let them have cotton pants on yeah and then a washable pant over the top or a pull-up okay. Begin with, because just make sure you don't leave them in the, the wet pants for too long, because we don't want little ones getting a, a urinary tract infection, no, having sure. that contact with the poo there for too long. Um, but yeah, really, if you're gonna to give potty training the the best star and make it most likely to go well, it, it at some point you do have to just move to pants and be brave mm. about it. Um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Though it really needs to be the right time for the whole family. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you've got um, a new baby like you have Amy yeah. or your thing house I remember speaking to a mum on the helpline that said well we're, we're going to our caravan for a week so we've got a week's holiday and we're, we're thinking of doing it then and um but it turned out that you know it was a really small caravan they had, oh, they had a toilet I said well actually do you know what why don't you just go away have a nice week better to go away have that nice week's holiday and then come home yeah and you know attack it properly then yeah. uh, don't make it harder for yourself but yeah we do 
try to urge people when they call our helpline, do not try not to just have a mix and match, sometimes pants, sometimes nappies. Sure. Um, because it ultimately is not going to help. <laughs> yeah, sure. I suppose it makes sense, doesn't it? It's like anything else with a two-year-old. You've got to be pretty consistent with it. Like. Exactly. And it is all about consistency. You've, you've used the word that I sort of spent about two minutes skirting around. But it's all about consistency and that consistent <laughs> pitch. Um, and and I'm glad you reminded me of that. Because it is about whoever's caring for that child. Everybody doing uh-huh. and giving a message. So yeah. you same reward system the same language um and the same equipment you know whether that you know whatever you're using the pants yeah okay okay that's great um so so okay so we've started we're being consistent we've been brave we've ditched the pants yeah Um, (laughs) how Mm. sort of long do you i mean i know that you've sort of said you kind of don't want to give really fixed time scales you mentioned if it's not going well, then leave it for a couple of weeks and come back to it. What's not going well? You know, how would parents know? What kind of progress can you expect? <laughs> I'm just thinking back to the times I was tearing my hair out as a parent. Uh, <laughs> child, there's absolutely, absolutely no awareness, really. They're just, you know, perhaps they're just weeing every half an hour. Um, and that, would, again, would show you that perhaps, you know, you it's going to be a really hard mountain to climb because they just haven't got a good enough bladder control um and i and again i think if it's just if stress levels are rising because with young children even if we try to put on a brave face um and act as if everything's fine they very quickly work out that actually mummy or daddy's a bit cross that they've done another wee on the carpet um so it's it's much more important to even if you know You've tried a few days and it does not seem to be going well. Just call a halt to it and wait until um, you know, give it a few more weeks, months, go back to it. And but then I would say use the Eric leaflet because the way the quarter training one has been designed, it's sort of like a building blocks approach. So it shows how you sort of come back to the, the beginning of those building blocks and mm. and start again, really. Okay, yeah, that's that's really helpful. And I guess they're, they're all different, aren't they? So they do it kind of in their own way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um that's great thank you um anything else kind of on toilet training that we talked about some of the kind of common things and pitfalls uh, yeah i think probably one of the most common ones that you might have people out there listening to this thinking or knowing is happening for children is that they seem to get weeing absolutely fine and that's not a problem right Very yeah do we on the it's the pooing right but, yes um why we think that is, is you imagine, you know, pooing is a much more active process, isn't it? To sit there and push the poo out. Uh-huh. Um, not quite the same with weeing. So um, I'm actually going to kind of not sort of rip up all that I've said, but just give a word of caution to people that are going through this, is that if a child is really, really nervous about doing a poo, but you've, you've waved goodbye to the nappies, it's far better to allow them to have another pull-up back on just to do that poo. Because if you don't do that, if you say, if you hold firm and just say, nope, you're not having your nappy back on, okay. you're in your now, you will poo, well, you'll end up in a standoff with a, with a child and it can go on for days, weeks. Sure, yeah. not poo, And then very sadly, that, that can very easily become a constipated child. Uh-huh. Um, those muscles to death. Because the fear of doing that poo is so powerful for them and they don't understand 
that the poo is just staying in their bodies. It's sort of, you know, it's a problem that they, they felt is a bit uncomfortable. You forget about it. To them, it's gone away. It hasn't. Mm. So on the Eric website, we've got a really good document called Children Who Will Only Poo in a Nappy and Other Toilet Avoiders. Okay. The titles, but that yeah. is a step-by-step guide to how you help a, a child overcome that, that problem. Okay. okay yeah that's really helpful thank you that's definitely one you come across a lot isn't it they kind of run away when they want to do a poo and hide somewhere people say like oh they hide behind the sofa or um yeah, yeah. you know run away so yeah. that's good to know um it's, you never enter into a battle of wheels with a two-year-old <laughs> so yeah <laughs> they've got far more patience than we have yeah. <laughs> more time and motivation um Okay, so fantastic. So I know. So you mentioned briefly constipation there, and that's probably one of the kind of really tricky things, isn't it, for lots of little ones, and can really, like you said, massively derail everything. So, yeah. um, I know you wanted to. Sorry. <laughs> you wanted to talk about constipation, um, as well, didn't you? Yeah. Um, golly, we could have a whole podcast. I think. Just I on know. Maybe we'll have to do that one day. Where to begin? So it's estimated about a third of children will at some point struggle with constipation. Uh-huh. Um, and by that we mean, really, it's pooing less than four times a week. Um, children have a much faster, well, they have a faster transit time than adults. So you, ideally with children, you should be getting some soft poo ideally once a day, maybe once every other day. Okay. Um, but I would urge anybody listening to look at Eric's Guide to Children's Bowel Problems mm-hmm. because that's information about um, picking up on constipation how it should be treated okay mm-hmm. so for some kids it may just be that they had a painful poo even as a baby and then they they start to hold on so they it's kind of there's been a little rumbling problem with poo right before potty training and for others it may be something that actually starts around the potty training um, just like we've, we've just said now it's you're introducing a completely new concept to them some children just completely freak out at the idea of having to deal with their own poo, something that just went away now engaging. So it's something for parents, I think, to be really aware of and healthcare professionals, what signs are, how you nip it in the bud quickly. Um, If anybody's not sure about that, just call the helpline. Um, We're very experienced on trying to help um, families through this, navigate their way through a a poo problem. Okay. Um, avoid it becoming more of an issue for people okay yeah no absolutely and I suppose it's taking it quite seriously isn't it because it's easy as an adult to just think oh it's just a little bit of constipation but actually like you say in their world it can be a really huge issue and cause a lot of fear and like you say derail all the toilet training plans and all of that and it can just have such a huge effect on families lives you know Mm. Um, parents bringing us often in tears you know we can't leave the house because um, I've got a three-year-old who's just you know screams every time I suggest they sit on the loo I can tell they they're desperate for a poo they don't go and then they're leaking runny poo what happens sometimes to kids when their bowel is full and then you get overflow poo yeah um, very quite squishy quite strong smelling it can be frequently um misinterpreted as being diarrhea mm-hmm. um or you're getting little hard nuggets of poo um and i think it is a case of just really you know reading up about it and n- not leaving it too long before going to see a gp to get some laxatives which is the yeah. main 
first line treatment that NICE guidelines recommend on treating childhood constipation. Okay. Main message I'd, I'd want to get across is that parents, by reading um, the information about how it should be treated, you will probably be a couple of steps ahead of of, uh, of the GPs. Okay. Uh, want to um, dis GPs in any way, but they need to know, don't they, a lot about a little bit about a lot of different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and unfortunately, con like you just said, Amy, constipation can just be um, brushed under the carpet and not seen as, as that big an issue. Yeah. But it's really important to get it treated properly and quickly. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people probably would reach for kind of dietary solutions before they suggest laxatives. So it's yeah. interesting that that's the first line in the NICE guidance. So, yeah. you know, I think yeah. people would probably think, oh, let's suggest that they increase their fluids, increase their fruits and vegetables, um, you know, fibrous foods, or whatever, and, and then come back, you know, if it's still a problem sort of thing. Yeah. There's, there's definitely... Um, benefit to doing that. Um, certain, particularly on the really glad that you've mentioned that. So again, it's even more important um, to make sure children are drinking plenty because that will also help to keep their poo soft and on the move. Uh -huh. When child's become constipated, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to make much of a difference just through dietary change alone. Right. Okay. Um, that again goes back to what's known as idiopathic constipation, which is the constipation where no physical underlying cause can be found. Um, it's just something that some of us are prone to. Um, and, you know, you can get children with a shocking diet that never get constipated. And conversely, you can be, you know, pumping a child full of beautiful pre-arrayed broccoli the whole time, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're still struggling so um yeah. i know it's not a nice thought for parents to think oh i don't want to have to medicate my child but actually these laxatives are seen as a very safe treatment mm. particularly um the them called macrogol laxatives which is what nice recommend there it's a solution a powder that you mix with water it's really important to to do the mixing first um and then that and then you can top it up with anything else or even put it in with their porridge yeah but that, i know that mixed solution gets delivered to the bowel to soften everything up and then it's not absorbed into their system. It's just a way of, of softening up the poo. Okay, lovely. Um, so it's not being too nervous about reaching for those um, solutions, yeah. really. And I guess kind of working with um, the GPs that we work with to try and um, look at that if, if you find that that's not what's being done in your area. Um, yeah. And really not, not uh, you know, the number of times I've spoken to parents on the helpline while they say, well, I saw my GP and they just said, well, it's very common they'll grow out of it. Again, left untreated, not all children do grow out of childhood constipation. And, uh -huh. and why should you have to feel that you've got to wait when it? we know, um, when I say the solution, you know, it can, particularly when kids have got really badly constipated and it's affected their behaviour and they're, they're really, really holding on for England. Yeah. It's something that you're going to be able to easily fix in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But just getting them on the right path and getting a good support network around you with the health visitor and the GP all, you know, supporting you mm -hmm. is what you need at that point. Not to be told it's anything you've done wrong as a parent, you know, you should have given them more vegetables. Mm -hmm. and it's, that is rubbish. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of myths out there around it. So really want people to kind of get empowered with the right information from Eric and then fight their corner. Yeah, okay. That's really, really helpful. Thank you. It's like anything, isn't it? I, I always find this with this podcast. I learn so much doing it. Because, um, you know, it, it's like anything that you kind of start 
looking into in a little bit more detail you realize that actually it's a hell of a lot more complicated than you first thought you know it's easy to think well actually um you know toilet training especially um lots of health visitors that are working in really stretched teams at the minute I'm sure listen to this podcast and are thinking blimey I don't really give much toilet training advice anymore it's not really part of my role it tends to be more the nursery nurses that do that and I don't really deliver the two-year review anymore and things like that um, which you know is a worry, I guess, for other reasons. But um, it's it's easy to to sort of think that that's not something that's particularly complicated when actually it's extremely important and, like you yeah. say, has a huge impact on families' lives every day. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, there's been a lot in the news about children starting school in nappies, uh-huh. media. It can it can be you know parenting is really tough as you, as you I mean I'm sure it's it's amazing yeah. but it, it's probably the hardest job any of us will ever do yeah. and feeling as if you failed your child or you're being labelled one of these lazy parents it it you know there's it, it takes time and hard work like a lot of things with kids mm. um, there's always going to be children with additional needs and bladders and bowels that. Um, you know, are delayed in their toilet training, but for some children, they, you know, the, the parents' lives, they're working, busy lives, perhaps, you know, sometimes at home, sometimes with granny, sometimes at nursery, um, it can, potty training is one of those things that can be easily missed, mm. it can be put off, and then all of a sudden you've got a four-year-old who, oh my goodness, you know, it's June, we need to get them trained, Gosh, so yeah. again, really urging people to, um, to try and have the confidence to start it a bit earlier, and to basically, you know, call us or, you know, give your health sister a ring or whoever yeah. it is to get some of that support in place to, to try and, you know, troubleshoot, really. Yeah, definitely. That's that's really good. Um, and school readiness, of course, is one of our kind of high impact areas, one of the things that we sort of want to support parents with. So um, helping them have that smooth transition into school is definitely yeah. part of the health visiting role. So that's really, really helpful. Um, so I, obviously there's loads of really great resources like you say it's hard because you kind of don't want to don't know where to start with it really but um, <laughs> that's a really good overview you've given us so thank you so much for that um, that's a... was there anything else that you kind of wanted to mention or talk about that nighttime dryness just to sort of finish yes up. good oh, shout yeah that's fine um, right I've just got a blog in front of me I'm I'm helpline trained, so I spent seven years on the helpline at Eric. Um, More recently, I'm now their communications manager, and I've come back from the helpline. So a lot of this stuff is just in my brain. Yeah. But certain things, I just have. I'm just looking at this blog to kind. I wrote the blog, but I'm just reminding myself about it. Um, Fantastic! What a brilliant wealth of experience you must have had a lot in seven years on the helpline. Yeah, and I, you know, I do miss, I really miss it. But I think it's, it's, it's becoming a bit easier now. Like I said, with the three kids I've got, to just be focusing <laughs> on stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. So let me just read it. So again, I think it, it's that um, issue for people that they assume that the minute their child is potty trained, that the next thing that's going to follow on is that they're going to get dry at night. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and actually, nighttime bladder control is the final stage of bladder maturation. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, like we said before, all children are different. Um, and just because you're potty trained doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to follow on because the reasons for bedwetting, which I won't go into now, are really quite complex. Right. Um, 
but there's certainly ways that families um, can try to help get their child ready and sort of promote nighttime dryness. So I'll just run through some of them. Um, so the signs of readiness, there's some clues that you can look out for, and that's waking up dry or having just a damp rather than a full nappy in the morning, uh -huh. having two or three dry nights in a row. Um, if you've got a child that's asking not to wear the nighttime nappy anymore, that, yeah. that again, that's something Great. to really get with that. And yeah. um, they're really well protected. The Eric website, we've got an online shop and with a really lovely customer service team that are very happy to, to talk through the different products that can really help protect the bed. Okay. Um, and then sometimes kids just start waking up in the night wanting to use the toilet or waking you up to, to help them go. Okay. So um, in terms of preparing for that, um, it's, it's about sort of, you know, in a child appropriate way, explaining to the child what you're expecting them to do. Uh -huh. Just like you know, when you introduce something new, just say, well, now we're going to have a, maybe a couple of nights without your nighttime nappy, just to see how you get on. Um, put a potty in the bedroom, get them mm -hmm. to practice getting out into the potty again, then into a bit of the game. Um, uh -huh. Make sure they've got a little nightlight, because, you know, lots of little ones get a bit scared of the dark. And, you know, if you're lying there in the dark with a nappy on, well, I think, you know, if I was three, yeah. I think go in my nappy rather than have to get out of bed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, um, yes, get, get the bed well protected, gentle night lights, make sure that they're in pyjamas that you can pull up and down easily. So, you know, perhaps it's best to not have onesies on at this point if you've got lots of poppers, that kind of thing. Yeah. Fresh pyjamas and bedding ready in case of accidents. And another really good tip, Amy, is to, if kids are in bunks uh -huh. and you're trying to get the, um, you know, promote nighttime dryness just move the child into the bottom bunk yes good thinking another barrier yeah okay. um then other things are good drinking habits so lots of little ones have that last bottle don't they sort of you know that's a bit of a comfort thing with their story uh -huh. that if you're going to bed with a, a bladder full of of lovely milky drink <laughs> you're yeah. not going to chance to to keep dry so um it's worth just moving that to an hour before they go to sleep having that last drink uh -huh. don't think um daytime fluids you can help get them dry because actually it's the opposite you want to really make sure they're having at least six drinks during the day mm -hmm. um take a look at what they're drinking try to avoid anything fizzy hot chocolate particularly just before bed because we make more we when we drink hot chocolate and it, those drinks can kind of irritate our bladders mm, i didn't know you made more we when you drink hot chocolate well it's the milk in the hot chocolate i see milk is high in protein the body treats it as a food so we, it means that we make hot chocolate has also got the, the chocolate in it which is caffeine and that caffeine can make ah. your bladder a bit irritable. thanks okay. yeah good yeah good point um and then have yeah good toilet habits so making sure that they do a wee when they first wake up and then just before bed should just become part of their everyday routine get little boys to wee sitting down okay i saw they, this on the website yeah so yeah. what's that about it's because well um for a few different reasons. You empty your bladder in a much um, more relaxed position when you're sitting down. Uh -huh. So it encourages them to fully empty their bladders. Um, it's less messy for people. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah. We sprayed all over the toilet, but no, seriously, it's also for li little boys, if they're only ever standing to do a wee, particularly from potty training, it's not helping them to feel the poo that might have been waiting in their bottoms if they're standing. Uh what you're putting yourself in that natural pooing position ah. so the bladder empty well it also 
tries to avoid constipation creeping in because you're giving them opportunities of squatting. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, that's so interesting. I, I literally feel like I'm sitting here listening to you just going, ah, yeah, <laughs> excellent. Oh, what a great tip. <laughs> so hopefully everyone else is listening to this doing the same thing. It's doing this because it is fascinating. I do love it. I love reading. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, so loads of really great tips on um, nighttime dryness as well there. That's really helpful. I hadn't thought about the bunk beds thing. This is the thing about, um, you know, you obviously got all this wonderful experience from the helpline and coming across this all the time, um, much more than I am. So it's these things that I wouldn't think to, to ask mm. about or to talk yeah. about with parents. So that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. No problem. Really uh, practical what? tips. Yeah, I think I think that's the most of it. Oh, one other thing I would say mm. is try to avoid rewarding children for a dry bed. Um, oh, okay. It's, I know it can feel quite a natural thing to do, but actually, you know, bedwetting is completely outside your conscious control. They're not being naughty by doing it. No, sure. Um, and try to put all the reward, and this is exactly the same for potty training, on the manageable, achievable things that they can do. So you might have a three-year-old who's, you know, pretty much wet um you know weeing all over the place uh -huh. um, first week and things aren't going well but it can be very easy for everybody to get demotivated try and focus in on what they can do so okay. if they, they're doing that we in the wrong place but they're telling you they've done it and they're helping you to get their dry pants and dry trousers praise and reward them for that because right. that is a way to motivate a child and try to encourage them to to, to work with you rather than think oh well, whatever I do I don't ever get my, my sticker why okay, bother <laughs> yeah yeah sure okay exactly the same for night time it's it's not a you know a naughty thing it's not that they've been a good boy or girl because they stay dry or not it's just that their body luckily for them is, is slowed down the urine production as they sleep um okay yeah that's a really good point as well because I guess that is probably one of the go-to strategies is having like a sticker chart or something like that like as, an, as a reward strategy but yeah. um that's a really good point that you're making you, you obviously think I mean I think we all know the whole thing about they're not being naughty by wetting the bed but you don't yeah. think about that from the opposite direction of well yeah. they're also not being good by keeping it dry you know because it's not a conscious thing yeah. No, no. Okay. Um, thank you so much. Alina, thank you so much for um, all of your knowledge and expertise that you've shared with us and for your time. Really mm. appreciate it. Yeah, um, I've enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, so we're going to link to all of the fabulous Eric resources on the show notes so everyone can go away and check them out. And if you wanted to do some CPD or anything like that, then just um, listen to this podcast and um, spend some time reading those resources. And that's some great CPD for you. Um, and I've looked at some of them this morning. I didn't have time to read them all, but... Um, they're brilliant and I could just really see them being so practical um, to use with families so that's great and obviously signposting families to the Eric website as well um, and thank you so much for your time lovely to speak to you mm, have a good rest of the day <laughs> <laughs> thanks you too well thank you so much to Alina for um, giving us that um, brilliant interview um, I hope everybody's enjoyed it as much as I did and learned as much from it as I did I was literally just sitting there like 
Ah, okay, I see, I see. <laughs> Learning loads. Um, so hopefully you will wear to as well. Um, if you have any comments or suggestions and you want to contact us, then we love hearing from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at IamAHV, on Facebook at IamAHealthVisitor, or you can send us an email to IamAHealthVisitor at gmail.com. Thanks very much for listening, and we hopefully will see you again soon.